It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, Brandon and I are talking about hamstring strains. And unfortunately, the reason we're talking about it is because I suffered my first hamstring injury this past week. So it gave us the perfect opportunity to talk about what is a strain and really how are we going to treat this? What is, going to, what is it going to look like for me in the next few weeks? So uh, I really think you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, if you yourself have suffered a hamstring injury or if you're a clinician, you're going to be treating these people as they come through your door. So I uh, hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, please go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review, preferably five stars. It's how we reach more people. We really appreciate it. And let us know uh, any other topics you might want us to discuss. So hope you enjoy today's episode. What's happening, Better Faster Podcast listeners? All right, so in the famous words of JFK, never let a good crisis go to waste. And it just so happens that my co-host Josh just strained his hamstring last week. It was actually four days ago, right? Yeah, Wednesday, and it's uh, Sunday now. Yeah, so like any good politician would do, we're going to spin this to a positive and do an episode about hamstring strains. So why don't we do this? Josh, start out with telling the story about what exactly happened, the, the when, where, and the how, and then we can maybe speculate on the why and go from there. Yeah, man. Um, this one, I think, is all on me. I've never had hamstring issues. Knock on wood, I've been very, very lucky in, in you know all previous athletic endeavors to never have a, a hamstring issue. Um, been relatively healthy pretty overall, um, other than left ankle, chronic sprainer, and then my right elbow from baseball. But um, never had hamstring issues, man. And, you know, of course, PT's program, we got to uh, continue the tradition of flag football domination at the University of South Carolina, or at least that's what we like to think we're doing. Um, but, no, we play in co-rec and men's league, so, um, you know, it's a good time. It's fun. Um, this is a co-rec game on a Wednesday night uh, playoff, so sometimes, you know, they're mixing – you know, different times. So we're playing at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night. But that day, um, usually I just go about my regular training um, before, you know, going and playing in the evening is when we usually play. So um, I'm training earlier in the day. Um, I've been going through a sumo deadlift progression. Um, so this is maybe week five, week six, something along those lines of, of pulling sumo. And it's not what I normally do. I usually pull conventional, um, deadlifts are something that I really enjoy. And I feel like I, I, you know, I do fairly well relative to other lifts. Um, and so, um, it's fun, you know, for me, a lot of times I don't pull conventional cause it's already, um, disproportionate to some of the lifts. A lot of times I'll, I'll, my pulling work, I'll do something different. So, um, I went through the sumo progression. 
And so been building here and, and uh, supposed to build to a heavy single for the day, not necessarily a max. Um, and I built up to a heavy single. I went I made some big jumps. Uh, I tend to do this. This is another bad habit. If you're a listener, don't do this. You know, the 135 to 225 to 315 to 405 to 500, like big jumps there, um, which is probably not how I should have done it. But it was built quickly. I had a time limit, um, you know, that I, you know, placed to get moving through the workout. Otherwise, I'll spend all day on something. And, um, you know, it felt great. You know, it was actually the first time I'd ever pulled 500 sumo. Um, I, you know, it, again, it's not my, my normal style. So um, I, I was pretty happy with it. Felt good. Did some, um, a little accessory work afterwards. Um, I've been playing around with different uh, split squat variations. So I did a front foot elevated split squat. Um, so it was just on a high temp 45 bumper. So four inches up uh, doing split squats with a gnarly tempo. Uh, three on the way down, slight pause at the bottom. So I press up from a dead stop. Um, and, you know, you know, sets of eight, so a long time under tension with that. Um, and it got pretty gnarly. So that's, a, you know, again, sumo, slightly different pulling variation, maybe something I still haven't built up a ton of tolerance to. And then uh, a extended range of motion on a split squat on that same day. Again, something that's, you know, not always a staple in my program playing around with a little bit but felt great really happy with how training went in the gym that day I did a little some back extensions some, and some soreness and holds and some other things too but then went to class um and sat in class for an hour and a half you know um great class I'm taught by uh vertex co-owner gym so I have to say that too uh great class um but uh it was it was great went to flag football pouring down rain worst conditions ever um not cold but just pouring down rain so warm-up was very abbreviated it was jog a little bit, run a few, uh, you know, get ups, you know, accelerate and accelerating up into full speed a little bit. Um, I I play, uh, you know, quarterback, so I I did some, you know, we threw the ball around, um, getting people loose, but not an extensive warm up. Went into the game, first run around the end, boom, felt it as I put my foot in the ground to try to make a cut, and uh, yeah, should have probably came out and played a little bit the rest of the game. I didn't play any defense, just played offense and. Man, I felt I felt pretty dumb after that one. So you pulled five hundred, you sat for a while, and then you played without yeah. a without a proper one. You better not tell Donnie you were pulling sumo, by the way. I know, man. I don't usually do that. Um, yeah, if we, our buddy Donnie would say sumo deadlifting is is uh, cheating, uh, I think would be how he would look at it, or, or it just doesn't count when you look at deadlift <laughs> records. Um, it's not but, a deadlift. Yeah, it's not. A, he doesn't think it's a deadlift, but. Um, no, yeah, I think it was a combo of a lot of different things. Also, myself, um, not thoroughly warming up, um, which normally I, I'm pretty good about. Um, I, I think this one was maybe uh, abbreviated time, being we are coming from class. Also, the conditions didn't make me want to stay in the rain to do an extensive warm-up. Um, and, of course, sitting. You know, sitting for a while, get cold, that probably wasn't great either. Yeah, man. So, did you guys win? And that's even worse. We lost. Yeah, the oh, the rain did not go in our favor. No, man. Um, we were we were struggling to have completions. Um, I felt okay throwing it. Um, but it was like a grease pig, man. Nobody could hang on to it, myself included. Yeah. It was it was ugly. Um, and so unfortunately, the season ended. Um, without a championship. But softball, we won, so we're still. I think we're in the semis of softball. We're still rolling. Um, hopefully, bring home at least one tournament this fall. Once you. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. I mean, that, that, that makes sense for why it happened. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, we can get into all of the, all the nuances and, you know, talk about, you know, volume and acute spikes in volume and tissue capacity, things like that. But if you kind of break it down at the most elementary level, you know, muscles can do two things. They contract and relax, contract and relax. So you had that, you know, that heavy contraction with the, uh, with the sumo deadlift, you sat for a while and then, you know, got back out there and had to do some kind of movement that required that hamstring to be put on a sudden stretch. Sounds like you probably just wasn't ready for it. 
Yep, I think you're exactly right, man. I didn't prepare for it um, properly. Um, in hindsight, maybe, maybe I don't. Um, I don't have that, you know, don't go to the gym and do those things beforehand, but even more so it's more about preparation prior right. to the actual event that evening. So, uh, you know, it's, it's on me, um, totally on me, but, uh, it hasn't been fun the last few days. That's for sure. I hear you, man. Well, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Well, let's, let's kind of use this episode as an opportunity to talk about just how we do approach hamstring strains from the clinic. But before we dive into that, I mean, you're a PT student right now. Can you give us a quick rundown of what a strain is and maybe talk about, just the basics of how they're graded we can go from there yeah so um you know this is where it's essentially um your the the muscle tissue because again you know when we talk about strains versus sprains when you know when it's uh, a hamstring like this and we're talking about the the muscle belly mine's actually in the middle of the uh, the middle of the muscle it's not up in the, you know in the tendon um you know, you hear that common, like a high hamstring being a really big issue. So thankfully, mine's more in the middle. Um, so we would use a strain as the proper vernacular versus a sprain, which would be more of like a ligament. So um, so it is a strain. Essentially, um, it is, you know, a excessive stretch um, or a rapid, um, a rapid lengthening of the muscle. Um, and you actually get, you know, in theory, it's, it's really, it's a tear. It's, um, um, it's a stretching of the muscle fibers um, beyond what they were capable of doing. Um, and so that, that, that can be graded. So when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about grading uh, muscle strains, you can talk about one, two, or three. Um, it has to do, you know, with the uh, severity, of course. Um, you can test that via infield, via, you know, manual muscle testing. Um, I'm pretty sure mine was pretty much a, a, a grade one, pretty minor, um, three being more of the severe. Um, so when we talk about grade one, um, for me, the strength is still pretty much there. I was able to to go into some isometrics pretty much that the next day, mixing in isometrics. Um, I can go through range of mo- active range of motion, pretty much pain free at least when in terms of um, knee flexion. It's more for me when I go into more of like hip flexion. Um, I and put it on stretch. I have a little bit of an issue, so more on the grade one versus like a complete tear on the opposite end of the spectrum, which would be more grade three. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so yeah, and, and you kind of got into it already about how you've been treating it, but you know, during the early phases, we got to keep in mind that there is some tissue damage. There probably is some bleeding that's occurred. And I, and I saw you this week and I know there's no ecchymosis. A lot of times you'll see some bruising either at the side of the, uh, of the tear and let's call it what it is. You know, a strain is a tear. So yep. I'm going to try to call it a tear for the rest of the episode. Yep. Um, but there, there, there may be some bleeding and, and, it, and it oftentimes will pull kind of on the back of the knee in that popliteal region. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is, you know, when this thing is, is acute, when it's early, we don't want to overload this thing and we also don't want to stretch it. I mean, that that's common sense, but we still have to move it. So yes, we are not resting this. We are simply modifying our activities, if you will. And so if you're a biomedical or biomechanical person or biopsychosocial, hopefully you're, you're a blend of both. Early mobilization, early movement works in your favor and that's for everything. And that's for decreasing pain and guarding, inhibiting any sort of swelling or blood from pulling. And more importantly, it mitigates atrophy and, and mitigates street trains and loss of range of motion. And, you know, with these tears, they're just like any other condition we treat. There's no cookbook recipe and you can't necessarily go off the four to six weeks soft tissue tailing home because there's, there's, this thing's highly specific on the individual you're working with, believe it or not. So during these early phases, you know, I'm talking super acute. I'm talking within the first like 48 to 72 hours, you know, we're getting some general range of motion going and doing some very light submaximal isometrics. So when I say general range of motion, it could be as simple as walking or it could be some cycling. I'll even have patients do simple exercises like hamstring curls on a physio ball or in the TRX straps. But at this point, I'm talking light, almost passive, essentially it's going through the motions 
because this is not only going to set the stage for proper healing, but it'll set you up for progressions down on down the road. And then as far as isometrics, again, these are going to be light. They're going to be submaximal, pain-free. The thing you got to keep in the back of your head is that you're not going to gain strength with isometrics, but again, we can mitigate strength loss and we can also control pain. They also have a strong analgesic effect. So if you do these, you know, make sure you do them at multiple angles as well. And this could be something as simple as, you know, digging a heel into the table or the floor and get a, contr a contraction that doesn't hurt. And keep in mind, this isn't a tendinopathy we're dealing with, we're talking about the muscle belly. Um, so, you know, holds maybe as short as 30 seconds, as long as 45. And you probably want to do it something at like maybe 30 degrees, 60 degrees, 90 degrees in deflection. It can be any angle in between two. And then, of course, you progress this whatever you need to, things like bridge variations, hinge variations. Um, I'm also thinking about things I can do during this phase to basically decrease tone, decrease guarding, you know, that, that tightness, muscle spasm, stuff like that. So this is where I, I like things like foam rolling, um, things like smashing, body tempering, ISTM, even cupping, you know, depending on the grade, I may even do some gentle nerve glides, but I'm going to be careful with that because again, I don't want to risk damaging healing tissues and overstretching that stuff. And then of course, the thing to keep in mind is that we want to always work above and below and we have three uninjured limbs here. So you know, that's necessary to train those for those systemic effects, the positives we get on hormones, and then that cross-education, uh, the adaptations we get via the central nervous system by training the sound side. Um, it's, it's not impossible to, to be able to squat. Um, that's usually going to come but well before hinging will, but that doesn't mean we, we can't hinge. It just depends on severity. Um, but we just got to be conservative because uh, this is acute, and we don't want to disrupt the healing. Yeah, man, I think that was great laying out the timeline there, and it was very much where my head went after it happened um, the next day. Um, I went to the gym the next day, same as I would, same time I normally would. Um, I did modify, of course, what I was going to do that day. I had you know, planned on you know, uh, doing some exercises that really wouldn't have been tolerable for that, for that particular day, but I still got a, a ton of upper body pushing and pulling work. I did some loaded carries with it, too. Um, I was able to, to, like you mentioned, start with uh, some submaximal isometrics. And, and I really, you know, again, we mentioned kind of the, that grade one, you know, it's, it's a limited number of muscle fibers that are actually injured. And there's not a ton of a decrease in, in strength necessarily. Mm -hmm. So like my, you know, I was able to push those isometrics a, a little bit. So it wasn't, you know, like someone who would suffer maybe a more extensive injury, more like a grade two, like more, more moderate where you have, um, you know, a lot more muscle fibers that have been damaged. And then that's the one, like you mentioned, would have swelling and, and you will see, you know, maybe some change in uh, discoloration and uh, a decrease in strength. So I was able to get some, some good isometric work in um, and I even got some, some, uh, a little bit, you know, I probably, maybe I shouldn't have jumped right in this, but I did some very, very light prone hamstring curls. Um, you know, again, very, very light starting with just going through active range of motion, but, a, you know, like a, a very light band. And I was able to go through that, um, pretty well with a, a pretty low amount of pain. Uh, it was what we would consider acceptable, um. You know, it's kind of a, a thing that we talked about again in this course this weekend is like, is the, the level of discomfort, is it, is it acceptable discomfort? Is it something that we, you know, are, are not at any risk of furthering any injury and we're actually, you know, facilitating some healing with that. So I was able to kind of mix that in there, a ton of blood flow work. So I've been on, you know, on the exercise bike, nice, easy movement. Um, for at least a half an hour a day, um, you know, again, that's, that's replaced some of my other training or it was my only training this weekend, Saturday and Sunday was just hop on the bike, um, for a half an hour, nice and easy. In addition to kind of more of my PT related exercises, I didn't actually do any, uh, any strength training, uh, but I'll be back in the gym tomorrow. Um, I'll be back in the gym tomorrow, working primarily upper body push and pull again, take advantage of the things that I, I can do. Cause as you mentioned, you know, I got three good limbs. Um, I'll probably get a little bit of work in with the, um, 
the unaffected leg. Um, you know, so I'm thinking things like, you know, strict muscle up work, you know, adding some skill work, maybe a little bit kipping. I probably can still tolerate as well. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll get some upper body gymnastics pieces in there. Um, cause you can still get better. And that's the thing people got to remember is you can still get better during this time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so important to, to move because you can still get better. You can also get worse if you don't move. So yeah, you, you exactly. got to do something. You didn't make it worse, so you did the right things. Again, this thing is this stuff is not black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, looking ahead, looking ahead to what you're going to be doing this week, um, you're you're going to be out of that initial acute phase, and you know, you're you're basically in the reparative phase after that. And and, and the, as a clinician, that's the longest phase I'm seeing these people in because that's going on for several weeks. So you know, we got to start thinking ahead about getting past that general range of motion, getting past those those isometrics, and you know, that's what I'm going to start is with isotonics as soon as I can, and. You know, I like the natural progressions that we started talking about with isometrics. So that means that, you know, I'm doing some things like I'm pulling out my bridge variations. It could be as simple as a bridge with the toes up, digging the heels in, or bridge walkouts. There's usually a good way to assess what the tolerance is. You know, I mentioned the physio ball earlier. You know, maybe now I'm just digging in or I'm combining it with a bridge, doing some single leg work. I mean, you're the therapist. You can decide what your patient get away with. Same progressions go with the TRX. And, you know, again, these are just the tools to get you where you want to go. Um, now, I, I, I do say this, um, I will say this, do respect the soft tissue healing times here to a degree, because we're not going to just jump right into like a three rep max deadlift in week two, even if they're feeling better, because what you don't want to do is overshoot this thing and re-injure them or make them worse. So, you know, be patient on things that are going to require a high MVC or a high eccentric load. Just be smart about it. No, I love that, man. I think that um, that's kind of where my head's gone to. I actually got some walkouts in on day two, I believe, is when I, I implemented some of those those plank walkouts. I love those. I got, I, you know, of course, I got those from you on my very first rotation. Um, I think that that, or that, I'm sorry, that bridge walkout uh, variation, digging the heels in. I love that. That was that was good. It lit me up just enough, like just the right amount of discomfort. Um, you know, not you know, again, if we're looking at, you know, I hate grading things on a number scale because everybody's experiencing pain differently. But for me, it was very minor pain. It was more what I would classify a two or a three, very low level pain with doing that. Um, more of a just discomfort. Um, and then um, I started implementing some of those nerve glides a little bit. So getting in kind of a supine position, 90-90, um, kind of my hands behind the back of my leg and then going through and extending my, um, extending my knee. Um, you know, I, again, I think that can be very important and was something I was able to tolerate and and I was just going, you know, to my point of tolerance, you know, and, and then pulling back out of it. So, you know, um, you know, it's gonna be different for every person. Um, and then, you know, uh, today started, uh, or tomorrow, my plan is to hopefully start implementing, that'll be like day five-ish, day six for me, some very, very light hinging work, um, most likely with, you know, you know, body weight first, put it maybe even a dowel rod just to ensure them in a good position. And then moving very lightly to like a, a kettlebell RDL um, or something from a block, um, very, you know, shortened range of motion, but something to, to start re, um, you know, reintegrating that pattern. Um, that, that's kind of the plan going forward. But you mentioned, you're right, you got to respect tissue healing because you're going to feel better before it's actually fully ready. Um, and I know I'm going to be, you know, I have to really be on myself about that. So I, uh, you know, I'm, you know, looking at this as, as a, oh, uh, you know, measuring this in, in weeks versus days, um, because it is going to be a little bit of a process to make sure that, um, I'm not putting myself at risk for re-injury. Oh, for sure, man. And it's definitely those conditions, you know, when you're feeling better, that means you're just getting started essentially. You got, you got a little ways to go. And, you know, if you're listening, you can probably gather by now that, that treating a hamstring tear is not a one shot, one kill condition. So Again, I'm not putting a checklist in front of me that says, okay, we're four, we're four weeks out. We're six weeks out of injury. Now let's, let's hit heavy eccentric. Because again, 
that could come earlier depending on the grade, the severity of the individual in front of you. You know, a well-trained person is going to come along so much faster than say like a sedentary person, a middle-aged, you know, male or female that slipped and fell and tore their hamstring. So once we've done our due diligence with the isotonics and we know that they're responding well, they're tolerating load well, the strength's improving if it was affected at all, it's really just a continuum. And now we're just emphasizing the eccentric portion of the isotonic exercises more. At least that's the way I think about it in my head. So and they're in this phase, I'm starting to think about my Nordic hamstring curls. And we got a really nice Nordic bench at our clinic. I know you guys have one at the gym over at CCF. Um, but you don't have to go that route. You know, either way, I'm erring on the side of caution. And I'm, if I'm doing Nordics, I'm going to start them out with a band to assist. And I'll play around with that resistance across some build-up sets so I can figure out where we're going to get started. Uh, keep in mind, these are slow reps. These are slow eccentric, so I'm not killing them with a ton of reps. Um, Nordics are great. I still think they're considered the gold standard for hamstring exercises, but some other go-tos are your, your valve slide variations like fallouts and lunges. Those are tough if you haven't tried those before. Um, single leg, Roman chair, back extensions. Love that. You know, Titan Fitness has a Roman chair that costs like 110 bucks. It's a really good investment. So many things you can do within the clinic. Um, these are where I'm starting to get in my RDLs or stiff legged deadlifts. So, so I'm trying to get those uh, hamstrings on a little more tension. Um, but this is again, all focusing on the eccentric portion. And, you know, there's so many cool hamstring exercises out there that people come up with. Um, you can see them on social media all the time. But again, at the end of the day, you just have to have a purpose for what you're doing and it's going to get you to the destination in the end. Yeah, man. No, I think that I, I'm with you on um, treating, you know, kind of Nordics as the, the gold standard. There's a lot of different ways and people progress it, at, you know, progress it in different ways. But I love getting to that, you know, getting people to that when I, you know, when they're ready. And then uh, I love you know, how you mentioned using band for assistance. So if you're trying to visualize this, um, there is uh, usually, you, uh, you know, I attach it to a pull-up bar above me and then have, you know, we're lucky enough to have a Nordic attachment. But if you didn't, you'd have somebody holding down your, your, your lower limbs against the ground because you're on your knees you're in tall kneeling and then that band is down it's wrapped around your torso so you put kind of your arms through it so hopefully you can visualize this band is providing assistance as you go down and it's you're going to be at its its most stretched position as you get towards the floor um, and I think that's a great way to start implementing those back in um, because yeah there's you know that's that's the the goal is to get back to that and that's kind of a good sign if I'm able to complete those and you know uh, I'll be uh, on the right track yeah and, and the bands are so nice to have because you can implement that exercise really early on into it um and again like i said earlier don't overshoot it don't retear the hamstring in the process just err on the side of caution and be patient with it and um you know once we've gotten this phase once we've gotten a, a patient on heavy eccentrics i i like to be patient i like to keep them on that phase for a couple of weeks and if you have a shorter timeline you're not wrong but to me, the more time I can spend getting someone strong, the better off they're going to be in the long run. So unless there's some kind of event or a competition coming up, why rush it? But, uh, but anyways, you know, once I've gotten them on those heavy eccentrics, I'm going to have them keep doing them. Um, I, I want them doing these for, essentially for the rest of their life because we know that the number one risk of having an injury is a history of a previous one. So again, this is all a continuum. But now we're getting into plyometrics and thinking return to sport. So what you do during that phase, it really all depends on the person you're working with and what their goals are. But plyometrics can include everything from box jumps to hopping, bounding, med ball slams and throws, split jumps. I mean, you name it. But the one thing about this that, I, that, that I'm, keep, I'm keeping the volume and I'm keeping the frequency low. Sorry, I'm having trouble words today. Keeping the volume and the frequency low relative to the amount of string training that they're doing. Um, 
I'd also encourage you to, you know, hit some in-stage hamstring specific exercises that really test the waters. You know, these would be things like heel drops. And that's a simple exercise where you have your patient or your client lay prone. You may even put an ankle weight around their ankle or their foot if you want to increase the lever arm. And essentially you explain them what you're going to do first, but you passively flex and extend their knee, try to get a rhythm going, and then just surprise them, let their foot go. And the object here is to have them quickly fire off their hamstring to keep the leg from dropping. And then you can, you can progress this by literally throwing their leg into extension, which is going to cue a quicker contraction. And it sounds brutal in theory, but it's a big confidence booster for the patient. And if, honestly, for me as a therapist, once they can start tolerating that stuff. Um, but, you know, thinking along those lines, this is where we may also incorporate things like B-skips. You know, I have some drills I like to do with med balls that can facilitate a quick and maybe even like a violent contraction of the hamstring. Um, I don't know if that's the right word to use. Um, this is also when we're starting to get back into Olympic lifting. You get the idea. There's a lot you can play around with, but you know, it's important to test it out in the clinic so that you leave no question that this thing is going to hold up when they return to their sport. No, I love that, man, because you're, you're, you're setting them up for success when they return. And I feel like there's a, there's sometimes a gap between, um, again, I don't want to categorize, you know, all PT in, in kind of the same, the same bubble here, the same group, but there oftentimes seems to be a gap between when somebody is discharged from PT and when they're actually ready, but in stage, um, in-stage rehab with with you and with everybody at Vertex is, you know, it is, it looks exactly like a really well thought out and well constructed strength conditioning program that that person should be going through to prepare for their sport anyway. So it it really does bridge that gap. So I, I encourage people to really kind of yeah, we do really well in the beginning. We know how to manage uh, acute issues really well in PT, but where I feel like um, as a profession, oftentimes we struggle is more that in stage. And so I love what you're talking about. Like, uh, you know, honestly, those throws where you're, you're getting that kind of reactive contraction there where they're having to respond. Like that is so important prior to going into a sport where they're going to have to do the exact same thing. Um, and then, and, and then of course, you know, if the person, you know, we work with fitness athletes, if they're trying to return to, you know, deadlifts with a decent amount of volume like you see in in crossfit where you're doing repetitions and conditioning workouts so they're doing olympic lifting where they're pulling from the floor over and over again you have to start integrating that stuff into the clinic um because uh, again you know we cut them loose without doing that we're just we're not setting them up for success so uh, i love the way you mentioned about the in-stage stuff that you do with people there yeah absolutely man i mean you got you got to hit those hamstrings hard and you know don't don't be afraid to go heavy um make sure that you're working in multiple planes. And this is a case where, you know, I'm, I'm going to intentionally get, get my patient fatigued and I'm going to hit these, these drills sometimes at the end of the session, because I want to make sure that this, this is going to hold up like in the fourth quarter or in overtime, um, you know, and, and leave, leave nothing on the table. So um, that's just, that's just how I think, you know, in the clinic before I, I you know, we're done and, you know, we're, we're hitting it hard, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's everything from, from hot testing, um, you know, again, going into like heavy, heavy Nordics, um, a lot of reactive drills, stuff like that. You kind of just make it up as you go along, depending on the sport. No, I love that, man. And I'm looking forward to getting back into those things. I'm going to try my best not to rush it. I was, I had been talked into, to somewhat coming out of retirement and getting and doing a part. I call it coming out of retirement because I don't really compete much myself individually in CrossFit anymore to do a, uh, to do a team competition. It's supposed to be December one. So I don't, uh, I don't think it would be the brightest idea for me to push to come back there, especially because in the grand scheme of things, it's a you know a local competition that I could just do next year. Um, so I, I haven't officially pulled the plug on it and found a sub for me, um, but I, I, I probably need to, and I'm fighting with that right now. 
It's only 55 deadlifts, right? 225. One of the workout has like, has like 55 deadlifts a person in it and the male weights 225, which normally I would be, you know, licking my chops with that because I, I do like, you know, I'm very much, you know, posterior chain dominant to use some buzzwords there. Um, I will pull any day before I squat um, if I have a choice. So I would love that normally. um, But in the back of my mind, I know that's probably, uh, probably not the brightest idea. So most likely I'll be finding find somebody else and Kyle and Rachel can have this round. That's what <laughs> we're, we're doing it. We're trying we'll live to find another day. Next year if we're gonna come back for the title. I hear you, man. Um oh and fun fact, this is kind of a random uh thought I wanted to make sure we're again, but I don't know how clinically meaningful this is, but after a hamstring tear, this stuff can show up on an MRI like up to a year after the uh, original injury. So it's pretty interesting. You know, it's kind of that, that longitudinal tear you'll see if you, you can actually, it's actually a quick Google search. They had a JSPT article, but uh, it's interesting stuff, man. Um, but I think that means that you just have to be patient and take your time. Kind of goes yeah. back to what we said. You're going to feel better before you are better. So yep. just go through the phases. This is, you can also come back better from this, um, especially if you're neglecting hamstring work, e- neglecting eccentric hamstring work before uh, this injury happened. Yeah, man, I think uh, I, that's an interesting fact. And another interesting fact, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that um, sprinting speed is also um, a you know, factor uh, for uh, prevalence of hamstring strains. So I just like to think I was running so fast is what it was. Um, so You're we can all say hamstring. it was just too fast for, for my hammies. But no, that definitely was not the case. <laughs> that's what we're going to roll with, or at least what I'm going to tell Kyle when I, when I pull out from the competition. <laughs> oh, man. Kyle's going to be happy about that. I know, man. They might take home the title now. We, I was feeling really confident, man. There was a max thruster yeah. in that event or in that comp. but I was about to say, man, that's what you get for talking trash about the thruster. I know. I was so excited, man. The only reason – again, you know, I looked at the workouts before I said, yes, I'm not dumb. You know, I wanted to make sure I was going to do okay before I was like, yeah, sure, I'll jump in. Um, but, yeah, it's my own fault, man. Um, gotta, you, know, you live and learn. Got to prepare better. That's right. That's right. It's all about preparation. Well, before we sign off, if you like this episode and you want Josh to keep getting hurt so we have more material, head on over to iTunes. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That's what helps us reach more people. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is at BetterFasterPodcast. Let us know what you like to discuss on future episodes. Hope you all have a great week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.